We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Tejas Bodiwala and Herschel Sheth, the duel that won $100,000 by taking down the 2015-16 world-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge. In addition to that championship, they have three other top 20 finishes in the industry's longest-running playoff contest as well. In this episode, we preview the 2018-19 FFPC Playoff Challenge. Topics include strategy on building lineups, their process in constructing teams, and what players they like from the teams contending to get to the Super Bowl. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here are the 2015-16 world-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge $100,000 winners, Tejas Bodiwala and Harshal Shah.
excited this week for the basically the season finale of the uh, Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown here as we are getting ready for the NFL playoffs. And with the NFL playoffs comes the world famous FFPC Playoff Challenge. And I'm speaking with two gentlemen today that have uh, not only won this thing once, they have two top 15 finishes. And when you consider the thousands of teams that are in it, that is certainly no small feat. So, guys, thanks uh, thanks for coming on the on the show with me. Tejas, Bodewala, and Harshal Sheth. Welcome, guys. Hey, Eric. How are you doing? Doing well. We're re- <clears throat> Full disclosure, we are recording this on New Year's Day uh, for any of the listeners out there. So if there's any late-breaking stuff that – that happens uh, over the next, you know, uh, 48 hours or whatever, and we don't talk about it, that's why. Uh, so I will, uh, we'll get to the, the, the fantasy football stuff, we'll get to the playoff challenge strategy stuff shortly, uh, but I want to, I want you guys to tell the listeners when you're not playing uh, fantasy football, if you guys can share what you do for a living, Tage, I'll let you go first here, and then Harshly, you can uh, pop in and tell us as well. Yeah, first of all, Happy New Year to you guys, and um, I'm an entrepreneur with two startups in vastly different fields. I'm really excited about my most recent venture, which we're about to finish our angel round for. Uh, It's a sports betting technology app focused on community betting, head-to-head betting, and sponsored contest events on the sportsbook side for casinos and large game operators like DraftKings, GAN, FanDuel, William & Hill. Essentially, it's adding a much-needed social layer to the betting world to make it fun for everyone. And uh, the other one is an ed tech uh, focused on helping middle school and high school students with early career discovery. Uh, through technology-enhanced learning. So two vastly different fields, but really excited about both of them. And uh, thanks for having us on also, Eric. And I am a cardiac electrophysiologist, which is a physician that specializes in the heart and heart rhythm disorders specifically. So I implant pacemakers, defibrillators, and uh, do procedures inside of the heart to treat and cure abnormal heart rhythms. My goodness, you got I mean, we're I think we've covered everything on the planet as far as what you <laughs> what you guys do like that. You cannot get more. Uh, you cannot differentiate uh, differentiate any more than than what you guys uh, uh, are into. And, and actually that that'll pop into one of the questions we have later on for you. Um, but before we get to that, let's talk about the 2014 2015 um, uh, FFPC playoff challenge. You guys took it down as one hundred thousand dollars. Um, last season you get 13th. So, uh, Tejas, I got to add, I mean, like what, what's been the secret to your guys' success? I mean, this is, it's pretty tremendous to, to finish as well as you did in two separate years as, as well as you did. What, how have you guys been able to do it? Man, I hope Herschel doesn't hate me after I, uh, give away the secret sauce. So let's see. (laughs) Well, it's, it's, it's pretty complicated. It starts with, uh, Hersh and I sharing a whiteboard on Envision, which is a great product. Uh, where he proceeds to start writing equation after equation. I ask him what language he's speaking, and then I take those equations and create algorithms that help determine which players will score the most points throughout the contest. I'm just kidding. But honestly, the success... <laughs> I was with you. Honestly, I was with you the whole way. <laughs> honestly, the success lies in doing a lot of research, like putting aside our egos, keeping an open mind, being adamant about one or two things we firmly believe in. Like last season, I pounded the table to limit the amount of entries with Todd Gurley. I just had a hunch that Atlanta was going to go in there and win that game. Deion Jones matched up really well when he was healthy. Atlanta had a fast defense. And I just believed the Falcons would win and hold them in check. So those are the things I would say high level you have to have to be successful in this contest. You really have to put in the research. 
if you're doing it with another teammate, you have to put aside your ego. You have to trust, you know, you have to trust your, your mind, your head over your heart. Harshal, uh, once the uh, once the playoff field is set for the NFL, and we know you know who's playing Wild Card Weekend, who gets the buys, everything like that. Once we know what's going on, what what's the first step, or, or what's what's sort of the plan of attack that you guys have? What's the first thing you do? So actually, our process starts <clears throat> a couple weeks earlier. We start usually around week 15 and and look through at that point who's already in the playoffs, who are the possible entrants, where they may. Well, now this year it was a little more difficult because really none of the seedings up in New Orleans and Dallas were set until this weekend. But we basically um, compile a list of all the players that we have any potential interest in and then decide on individual matchups, especially wildcard weekend, where certain teams' weaknesses, where are their strengths, how are they going to attack, and formulate from there where we are going to sort of allocate our positions like, you know, this team may lose so let's just use them on a kicker or have no one there uh, and kind of work backwards like that when you when you do that um do you feel uh and and i think i know the answer to your question this is a total leading question but do you feel when when you start working on week 15 how do you i guess this is the better way of phrasing it how do you prevent the eye test from impacting your choices or your feel or you know what have you on who you pick how do you how do you make sure that you're not overanalyzing week 16 and 17? I mean, week 17 obviously doesn't pertain to everybody in the contest, but when yeah. when you're looking, when you're kind of you you have these playoff opinions already in your mind when when you start that early, how do you sort of stay away from making sure you're not putting too much of an emphasis what you see in the last two weeks? Yeah, it's a great question, and it's difficult to be honest because. You know, up until week 16, we're all in our own fantasy football leagues, and there's so much more. Um, sort of thought process that goes on on those players specifically. But I think Tage and I have done a good job in past years. And, and even before we won, we had two top 20s additionally. Um, and, and I think what we realize in terms of the playoffs is pace slows down, defense and running become a little bit more prominent. And so it is important to keep in mind with these high-powered teams like the Rams and the Saints and the Chiefs that these offensive outputs aren't necessarily going to project as much so we don't put too much emphasis on what we're seeing you know week 16 when you know new orleans is playing arizona or, or something like that to that effect um and we just again and keep more in the eye of okay is this guy healthy like Gurley, is he healthy right now melvin gordon is he healthy where are they going to use that attacking scheme uh wildcard weekend or playoff weekend uh, divisional round and stuff like that but it, it is admittedly very difficult to keep the two different perspectives both in terms of a here and now as well as well okay what's going to happen in january one of the other approaches that you know i've talked to people who you know who play in this contest who who built lineups and and one of the things that that a lot of them bring up is is working backward in other words um what they'll do and this is one approach i'm not saying that everybody does this but i know a lot of people who do um, they'll kind of figure out what teams are going to be playing in the Super Bowl, who they project to be in the Super Bowl. And then they'll, you know, because you get the double points in the Super Bowl, obviously. So it's very important to get those two players right. But then they'll work backward uh, in who they see in the championship games in each conference. And then who's going to make the, the divisional playoff and who's going to make it through wildcard weekend and everything like that. So they like to, to to sort of work backwards and then just sort of, you know, fill in the open spots in, in their lineups after that. Has that ever been an approach that, that you guys have taken in the past? For sure. Um, you, you have to. I mean, if you're not taking that into consideration and you're just picking 
a quarterback because you like that quarterback and, and not sort of cognizant of, okay, well, is he going to make the Super Bowl? Then uh, you're going to be in deep trouble. And so you have to do that. But I think where we have changed things over the years is not necessarily looking at just the Super Bowl participants, but the conference final. So having those final four teams, those players, right, and ideally having a quarterback and then three other skill position players there is more important because at least come conference championship time, you're getting for sure two games out of those four players and then two more players are getting the third game, which is double points. So um, it's more important for us to get those last four right than necessarily just the last two right. Let's get into some uh, some actual player discussion, players that will decide who is going to be taking home this 200K this year um, in the in the FFPC uh, playoff challenge. Tage, you look at um, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, they exploded this year. Obviously, one of the best offenses in the NFL. To me, the, the players that stand out, and I know they have Damian Williams and, and Tyree Kill and, and what, what have you. I feel like Patrick Mahomes and, and Travis Kelsey are going to be the choices for most people um, for their Chiefs since you only can you know pick one player per team, obviously. Do you guys like Mahomes uh, or or Kelsey as as your you know? And I know you'll put in obviously put in more than one one lineup, but is he are either one of those guys your your preferred choice in Kansas City, or do you like somebody else on that team a little bit better? Yeah, I think um, a lot of people are going to favor Kelsey due to the uh, scoring format. Obviously, the tight end premium gets a point and a half, but I'm going back and forth about this and um, who they potentially could be playing. Uh, depending on their projected opponent, it might be vital for the Chiefs to be able to score as fast as possible, um, favoring big plays and maybe the Cheetah over Kelsey or even Mahomes. I know that would be a bold move, taking Tyree Kill. He's been banged up a little bit. But, you know, I mean, if they play like a Ravens team, and the Ravens who obviously love to, you know, use the time of possession and run the ball and keep the opponent off the field, I think it's going to be crucial for the Kansas City Chiefs to be able to score as fast as possible in a game like that. So I might be leaning towards Tyreek Hill, although Kelsey, again, I mean, the format really favors him. Yeah, not only the the format, but like you think about the the tight ends this year has just been, you know, from a from a fantasy, like a regular season fantasy football standpoint. I mean, it was Kittle, it was Ertz, it was Kelsey, and and there wasn't, you know, it, it was, a, you know, pick your poison every single week you know with that you mean it was just you could not consistently get production from any tight end other than those throughout throughout the whole season obviously Zach Ertz is sneaking in as a six seed um in so he could be one and done so I I don't I I mean getting the tight end right this year is is going to be so big uh in the playoff challenge no question uh shifting over to New Orleans, uh, who actually had their tight end just saying that he's done uh, after this year. Ben Watson going to be retiring and hanging it up after the 2018 season. But, Tage, has anybody sort of bubbled up to the top uh, as far as your favorite saint this year? Breeze, Kamara, uh, Michael Thomas obviously had the massive regular season this year. How are you guys going to sort of flesh out who is going to get the nod uh, for the Saints? Or how do how do um, high-stakes players and people in this contest how are how should they be determining what saint is the correct one this year? Yeah, this is uh, also a tough one. And just to sidetrack, Watson had an incredible career, so congratulations to yes. him. Yes. Um, obviously, you have every option in the book between Breeze, Thomas, Kamara, Ingram, Lux even. Uh, now, I'm a huge fan of Kamara dating back to his Bama days as I drafted him as a Debbie player in the Dynasty League. Nice. 
So my heart always tells me Kamara. The problem is every defense will be focused on him. I think as he goes, the Saints go. As Breeze on the offense had a precipitous drop-off from Week 13 on, which seems to be the norm for Breeze the last two seasons. I've had him on so many fantasy teams. It's just been crazy disappointments after Week 13, especially in the money rounds, you know, in the playoffs for FFPC. But this is going to be the make-or-break decision, in my opinion, in terms of top 20 teams in this contest. And again, it all depends on team structure, lineup structure, whether we need a quarterback, running back, or wide receiver. Right now, I would lean towards Michael Thomas here. I'm not sure how Herschel feels about that, though. Harsh, what do you yeah. get your opinion on the Saints? As long as I mean, we're getting some real life, uh, real life analysis from you guys. <laughs> you know, putting this <laughs> together on the air. What your feelings on Michael Thomas? I mean, obviously, he's a good choice. Is is he the guy that you that you like right now? I mean, it's hard not to. Um, but again, in the NFC, it. It certainly seems as if um, the Saints are going to draw either Seattle or Dallas, both of whom have really good um, pass defenses. And, and and I think both with New Orleans having played Dallas already and Seattle being really underrated in their secondary, there's a good chance that they can really take Thomas out of the game plan uh, to some degree. I mean, he's still going to have his, but to the extent of is he going to put up a – 12 for 150 and a touchdown, probably not. And so I, I agree with Tejas. Kamara just opens up so many options because there really is no linebacker that can keep up with him. And he just runs those little option routes so well with Breeze and, and can check you down for 10 catches so easily and can break one of those for 40 or 50 yards without even blinking an eye. And so it's going to be challenging to to look at that. But we're going to sit down probably after this phone call today and, and kind of go through all the individual matchups and, and see um, – you know, it's going to be tough. Yeah, Harshal, how do you guys I, – I'm just curious, as far as a timeline goes on this, when do you normally have all all of your lineups for this uh, challenge complete? I mean, is it something that you take right up until Saturday afternoon? Do you, do you sort of work through it? Um, and then once you get the injury reports, you know, on, on Thursday or Friday or what have you, you sort of know what way you're doing or, or you know, which way you're going. How, when do you guys sort of – you know, finalize and, and make sure that they're all the way that you want them before the playoffs start? So usually, at least in the past four or five years, we have structured it so that we had a pretty fair idea of lineups by Tuesday. And then by Thursday, everything is in pencil um, or on our spreadsheet. And, uh, <laughs> and and then we review everything again Friday night. And really, the, the purpose of reviewing is exactly what you just talked about, making sure that you know, weather reports we're aware of and injury reports we're aware of, but not to try and stick to any particular player because we both have our favorites and, and whatnot. But because we do enter, um, you know, multiple multiple teams, um, we're going to be diversified. So we, we want to avoid having, you know, 15 teams with Travis Kelsey. Right. And so, and so it's really just a, on Friday, a summary of, okay, did we put it in correctly online? And is there any new information that we need to be aware of that's going to change our... Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off 
off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. On somebody or some team. Well, Harsha, we talked about it uh, earlier in the podcast with Todd Gurley. This was a, a guy that that uh, that last year was was one and done, and he was um, a, a player that was heavily owned. Now this year it's a little bit different because they do have the first round by. Uh, they will be hosting at least one playoff game um, if they are, you know, if they do meet the Bears in the second round and get by them. I know it's going to be a tough place to play in New Orleans um, if that's where they, you know, if the Saints end up winning as well, if, if they beat, you know, Seattle or Dallas or what have you. Um, but, you know, the Gurley should be able to put up a lot of points um, against the, I would think, against the Saints in the NFC Championship, even if they go down there. Um, I'm kind of wondering, with so many people believing that Gurley could go deep with him being, you know, just unbelievable throughout the regular season, that there might be a pivot there, and and you may want to go a different direction. And the guy I'm thinking of is Robert Woods. I mean, you should be able to get some variance um, from the rest of the teams in this contest by picking him over Gurley. Have you guys, uh, Harshal, talked about Robert Woods as a potential receiver or flex uh, on any of your teams? We definitely have. We've also looked at Josh Reynolds quite a bit. Um, you know, it's a it's a tough situation for the Rams because usually when you're one of the top two teams and have that buy, you're looking at the three seed as, okay, you're getting a home game. You should be able to advance to the conference championship, or at least the odds are in your favor. But both in the AFC and, and NFC this time with the Bears and then the Ravens on the other side, that's a tough first matchup for the Rams. And we don't know what Gurley's knee situation really is. And what we saw um, at uh, Soldier Field a few weeks ago is that he couldn't run inside the tackles. They, and even the following week against the Bears, I mean, against the Eagles, they were just using him more on outside checkdowns than they were through the tackle. So if he's not healthy, that's going to be a really big, um, a really big factor. And C.J. Anderson's been near and dear to our hearts since he was the one that uh, put us <laughs> on the top in 2014. But uh, he's been playing well, too. So how much are they just going to rely on Gurley if he can't run in the tackles, which really sets up their play action game? Um, so Josh Reynolds is another guy because he's getting a lot of targets, like seven, eight a game. Um, and there, there's opportunity there against teams when he is the third option uh, to be a focus point. Because even if they go up to New Orleans, Lattimore um, might be on Woods and, and take him out. So there, there's a lot to discuss with the Rams still. Yeah, for sure. And we didn't even talk about Jared Goff, too, who is a, you know, he won't win the MVP, but for the majority of the season was a was an MVP candidate as well. But yeah, certainly uh, the Rams getting that right going to be crucial for sure. Um, the Chargers, Harshal, let's talk about them because they were nip and tuck the entire season. Well, not the entire season, but I would say after they beat Kansas City in that primetime game, uh, all of a sudden it became very real that that they could get the number one seed. And the way the NFL structures it, they did not because uh, Kansas City won the division, which knocks the Chargers down to the five seed, which is really unfortunate. Um, they could, and, and now not only do they not get the bye, they don't get the home game, and they have to go to Baltimore, a really tough matchup, a, a Baltimore defense that has been very good this year. So I'm just kind of curious. You look at the Chargers potentially 
being one and done, Melvin Gordon, Keenan Allen, uh, we're, we're getting word that Hunter Henry um, is going to play in that game. And I know how crazy it is. He tore his ACL in May. Um, but you give, you know, given the landscape of tight ends, I'm sure there's going to be a significant amount of Hunter Henry teams out there as well. Your thoughts on on how to assess this Chargers team for this specific contest? I guess, I guess Stephen A. Smith was ahead of his time by yeah. talking about Hunter Henry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. his, uh, be, but, I would, if I was him, I'd be all over Twitter right now, making sure everybody knew <laughs> that I was right. So uh, Tage knows, and and some of my friends over here in Chicago know. I've been banging my hand against oh, the table God. for several months, going back to June and July. I've been saying Chargers are going to win the Super Bowl from the get-go. And, you know, obviously with a 12-win team getting the five seed, that's a little bit, um, you know, unjust for them. But if you want to take the the sliver of positivity, they play better on the road. Um, they're 8-0 on the road this year, and they don't have much of a home field advantage in L.A., uh, so going on the road may not be a bad thing for them. Now, obviously, the advantage they have with the Ravens is that they just saw them a couple of weeks ago, and and they definitely handed the game to Baltimore. And I think that they're going to be a little bit better suited to having an idea of how to how to limit the rush attack. Uh, they've definitely got the defensive line that can have the best chance at trying to limit Lamar Jackson. And so I don't necessarily look at the Chargers as one and done, but similar to the discussion we just had about Gurley. Melvin Gordon, um, it, it's hard to put too much trust in him. And Melvin Gordon and Todd Gurley were my two backs in fantasy this year. So uh, I, I've been paying close attention to both of them. But Gordon's just not right. You know, his knee, he came back too early last week against Denver. Who knows why they still had him in the fourth quarter when the Chiefs were up, you know, four touchdowns on the Raiders. And then he, he injures his ankle. And with Eckler being as efficient as he is, and even Justin Jackson showing up pretty well, I don't see that Gordon is going to be getting the volume that sort of um, predicates wanting to have him on too many uh, rosters for us. But he's definitely an option. Hunter Henry, um, I think he's fantastic. But seven months after an ACL, even if he's there, I don't know what he necessarily is going to provide. Um, And Keenan Allen kind of plays that slot role now that Mike Williams is is doing well on the outside. So I don't know that it changes defense too much. for teams playing the Chargers, but sure, he's another weapon. So, uh, yeah, Keenan Allen, he looks good. He's a he's a possession receiver. I know he didn't do all that well down the stretch, but he's definitely a good option. Rivers is a good option, too, because if they do make the Super Bowl, you're getting that extra game out of him. Uh, we, we did well a few years ago with Aaron Rodgers in a similar spot coming out of Wild Card Weekend. Um, the Chargers are good. Uh, don't sleep on the Chargers. I know at this point no one really is, but I still have a pretty high feeling for them getting to the Super Bowl. I, sh- I should probably open this next question up to to both of you to to get your opinions on it because I think they might they might well maybe they don't vary. I don't know. We'll we'll get we'll find out. The Bears defense, Tage, is is to me going to be the most owned player from that team because of the inconsistency from that offense this year. Not the inconsistency of the offense, but the individual offensive players. You know, Allen Robinson have a big game, then he disappeared for three weeks. You could say the same thing about Trey Burton, Jordan Howard, and to a certain extent, Tariq Cohen as well, and for sure, Mitchell Trubisky. The Bears' defense uh, largely has been a huge reason why they are the number three seed in the playoffs and get to host a game uh, on Wild Card Weekend. I, I look at the Bears defense being a, a popular choice. How do you guys combat that? Or maybe you, maybe you don't even feel that way. How do you guys combat that as you try to beat out 
uh, thousands of other teams that that are going to have the Bears as their pick, Tage. Yeah, you know, the Bears' D, a lot of weeks were equivalent to some of the high-skilled position players. I had the Bears' D on a couple teams, drafted with a few co-owners um, that were just questioning my ability to draft and saying, why the hell would you draft the Bears' defense? But, you know, lo and behold, they became uh, stalwart throughout the entire season. So they're definitely going to be uh, highly owned in this, um, you know, in this challenge. But I think Jordan Howard is playing great. And they, uh, they may want to rely on him to limit the amount of potential mistakes Trubisky makes, control the clock, set up play action. So I like Jordan Howard right now. He's, he's looking really good. Uh, obviously, Tariq Cohen, who you mentioned, and then the Bears D. But even Trey Burton could be featured. I mean, you know, the beginning half of the season, his first half was, was great. He disappeared down the stretch. I think a lot of it has to do with how Nagy was trying to introduce uh, different components into the offense and how Trubisky was processing those. Uh, different plays so I think there were a lot of missed play opportunities he had with Burton uh, in the second half of the season specifically the last four games but I think Trey Burton could be a sneaky pick too in a, in a tight end premium uh, playoff contest so a lot of things to think about with the Bears um, but Herschel what are your thoughts on that um, yeah I, I think the the Chicago Philadelphia matchup is going to be fascinating because both head coaches and offensive uh, schemes have been sort of maximized to their players. And I don't necessarily see either team's defense being able to put up big points because I think the coaching staffs on the other side are going to know how to sort of limit the impact of the defense. And so I don't, I don't see Foles getting sacked a whole bunch of times. I think the Philly offensive line can hold up pretty decently um, and, and using Ertz and Sproles to their advantage to, to limit the pass rush. And, our strategy in past years have been to try to identify which four wildcard teams are not going to win and use those as our kicker defense and non-players. So if we think the Bears are going to beat the Eagles, we probably don't want to have defense because you are going to be limiting how many points you're going to get from two games then. Um, so Tariq Cohen is a great option. Uh, you know, cold weather up here in Chicago, Sunday they're going to use him, and, and, and certainly if they win that game, they go to the Rams where their defense can be exploited by speed as well. So I don't know that we're going to have a ton of exposure on the Bears' D, uh, but I, I think for most entries, uh, for, for people who have just one or two entries, you're going to see the Bears' D pop up a lot. I think in past years when FFPC has published the uh, ownership, we've seen some of the highest players be upwards of 90%. I think you're going to see a number in the 70s or 60s on the Bears D, and um, you know, good for those people, I guess. <laughs> right. I, I'm 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 curious um, when and Tage, I'll, I'll pitch this question to you. Um, when when you guys, because we don't talk about defenses a whole lot on this podcast for, I mean, obvious reasons. It's it's not the most exciting discussion in the world. But when in this contest, do you typically when when you're filling out your lineup, are, are kickers and defenses sort of like? Are they occupied by players you expect to be one-offs, like, you know, just playing one game and, and then that's it? Is that typically um, how uh, you guys formulate your lineups, or is that not necessarily true? It's really matchup dependent. I know you've heard me say that multiple times throughout this uh, podcast, but, you know, there's, there's situations like you look at Baltimore, right? And I know Herschel loves the Chargers, and he's pounding the table for the Chargers, but... I actually think Baltimore can get out of the AFC and represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. The way they're playing right now, how dominant they are on both sides of the ball, great coaching. 
Um, you know, they're battle tested, uh, especially that head coach. So I look at Justin Tucker and I say, hmm, could Justin Tucker be one of the leading scorers for Baltimore? Be him or Lamar Jackson or maybe even Kenneth Dixon. But you no, know, Justin Tucker potentially as a kicker could be somebody that really gets you three, four games. Now, that could really amplify in the Super Bowl, obviously, with double points. So there's a lot of things that take into consideration. But generally, yeah, you're 100% right. I mean, we'll take a look and we'll say, all right, listen, this team, this team is going to get us hardly anything. You know, it's not a good matchup. So let's utilize this team for a kicker or a defense. Let's, uh, let's the, the, go ahead. Sorry, what I was going to say is we, we keep data – uh, year over year in terms of the points scored by each player and, and team uh, to come up with what would have been the optimal lineup in retrospect. And, you know, the best kicker is still only going to be a couple points ahead or behind um, anyone else. There's not going to be that huge variation. So while Tucker may be able to put up many points, if they're advancing, it's not just going to be because they keep winning 16 to, to 14 there's going to be other players on the Ravens that would have been better for you to have at those high point scoring positions. And so we generally look at the kicker as an interchangeable, um, you know, piece. And obviously we, we don't pick someone that's going to be kicking a Heinz field or in a snow game or whatever, but for the most part, that's the filler at the end. Like, okay, we got our skill, we got our skill positions. What four teams are left. And from, from there, can we extract a kicker and a defense and kind of go from there? So in past years, we ended up with tons of exposure on like Novak from Houston because we were like, whatever, Houston's not going <laughs> to advance. They have Matt McGloin as their quarterback and all this crap or whatever. Um, you know, so, so, so yeah, I think that those are usually the last positions. We're definitely not starting by saying, okay, who's our kicker going to be and then fill out the rest. <laughs> well, I, I'd love to see a lineup that's formulated in that method. I think that would be very uh, fascinating. Uh, probably not, probably wouldn't win anything, but I think it'd be interesting to see the process. Guys, you've been very gracious here uh, with your time uh, on uh, the first day of 2019. We're only a few days away from the NFL playoffs and, and of course, the launch of the World-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge. I do want to ask you one last question uh, before I, I let you go on your merry way. If there is one piece of advice, if you can, if somebody comes up to you and say, hey, congrats on winning all this money. I'm doing it this year. Uh, if, if I only remember one thing, if there's only one takeaway uh, that I should remember when I'm formulating my lineups as I get my, my lineup set, what would that be? Uh, Tage, I'm going to let you go first on this one, and then Herschel, uh, just uh, go ahead and let us know uh, what your piece of advice would be. Yeah, I would say just just have fun with it. And try to go against the grain in terms of what your heart is telling you. Listen, I'm a huge Eagles fan, and I want to see another massive run by the Eagles with St. Nick. Uh, while I think they can beat the Bears, I can't go as far to say they'll rep the NFC, right? They have to go to New Orleans after that, and most likely they're not going to win in New Orleans. So. Make your predictions based on matchups and enjoy it. There's really nothing like the NFL playoffs. It truly is the greatest sporting event ever, and I just can't wait for this weekend. I can't wait for the wild card games. The first game is going to be insane. You know, Colts at, at Texans, which I also think is going to go a long way in determining this challenge. Can't wait for the weekend. Yeah, I think um, piggybacking on what Tage said, Going against the grain is important. If you, you look at your lineup once you're done and you've got 10 of the best or eight of the best uh, fantasy football players that were there this year, chances are you're going to see your lineup replicated at least by 20 or 30 other teams. And it's just never going to work out like that. You have to have something that doesn't fit right um, 
you know, that, that stands out, that makes you stand out. A couple of years ago for us, that decision was Martavius Bryant over Antonio Brown. And that was the sole difference uh, that we won the thing. And so you have to have some anomalies, but also you have to not be getting too cute and end up with a roster full of absolutely nobodies. So you got to find that balance. Uh, personally, for Tage and I, we enjoy doing this together. We don't need to do it together, but I think that we both complement each other. It gives us something to root for together, um, and we have fun with it. And so if you have the option of doing this with a friend whose opinion you respect, then I think it's a fun thing, and I would recommend it. Great stuff. Great uh, advice. Uh, and and I, I'm no question have you guys uh, helped a lot of people as they prep their lineups uh, this, this coming weekend before uh, the NFL playoffs kick off. Best of luck to both of you guys, although, you know, given your previous track record of success, I, I think uh, that would be slanting the field unfairly if you got luck on your side as, as well because uh, you, you've had a, a lot, uh, you've won a lot of money in this, and uh, congrats to you on that. Best of luck to you in the playoffs. Enjoy the playoffs, and uh, we'll talk to you guys again real soon. Thanks so much. All right, my, thanks, sir. My older son is saying hi to everyone there. <laughs> well, well, hello to him as well. Uh, uh, clearly a, a future winner of the playoff challenge down the road, no question. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Eric. And uh, Best of luck to you and Happy New Year to everyone as well. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.